do me a favour. If you are listening, please hit the subscribe button, like, share, rate, review the podcast. It really means more than you realise. I believe every business owner has a story to tell. Through seeking true, authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey, I provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen. This is the County Business Talks podcast, powered by Picture Book Films. Here we are. Welcome to number seven guest out of 24. <laughs> Delighted to welcome an award-winning serial entrepreneur, um, Austin Okolo. Thank you for having me, man. Honestly, it's an amazing initiative. Second you told me about it, 24 hours, 24 podcasts, I said, I need to get involved. Oh, mate, it's awesome. Listen, I've been, it's really strange. Obviously, I've been at Base at Plus X for a while, and I've been following your journey on, on, on social media. I watch you on there, and such an inspiration on what you've achieved um, graduating this year and 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 businesses that you've set up in that time, which is fascinating, which we're going to delve into. But look, I'm going to start off, I just want to kick straight off and look, just talk to me a little bit about life growing up and like, where, where does this entrepreneurial spirit yeah. come from? Talk to me about that. No, it's a good question. I feel like as I've kind of gone older, um, a lot of life and our experiences linked to our early childhood. Mm-hmm. Like if we say like, I can relate. So my dad was a big, you know, good entrepreneur. And I think he really instilled that into me. Obviously he came from an athletic background. So, you know, opportunities you kind of have to make for yourself. And I think that I always saw a work ethic in my, with my parents, and especially my dad watched him grow up as a business owner. Um, he owned the barbershop that I used to go to to get my haircuts. Oh, okay. I used to get free haircuts. And yeah, I think yeah. that if looking back now, um, I think a big part of me looking at entrepreneur as a potential path in life, um, obviously in the school system, we don't really preach it in school so yeah. I think the only kind of idea I had as a path for entrepreneurship was through my, my parents and I think I've always been entrepreneurial so yeah. I don't know the typical story of selling sweets in school but yeah. I have a very kind of early um you know history of entrepreneurship so in school I think I saw my first item it was um football boots for 10 pounds my friend Tom and then yeah. from then I was like what like I can sell a product and make money from it and I thought cool let me sell what let me see what else I can sell selling my old clothes my old shoes like you know it's damn decent but yeah. But so I went out of clothing. I said, "What can I do next?" So I started selling my friends' clothing and taking commission from it. And um, it didn't actually work out to me. So what happened? I think twice I got close to selling them their clothing. One time I sold it, and I went to my friend, older year, about two years older than me. I said, "Oh, I sold your shoes. Can I get um, my ten pound commission, please?" It was like, "Oh, next time, next time." Obviously, being like the younger kind of person, kind of just brushed aside. Second time I was in London, West London, Hayes, where I grew up, yeah. and um, I went to sell someone's hat for them. And then there was so many stains inside the hat, and I went to the person to give it to them. And he looked at all the stains inside the hat and said, "Sorry, guy, I can't buy this." So in the end, it didn't go to plan. Yeah. But I always had that kind of entrepreneurship background of like, you know, I enjoyed the fact that I can make money from nothing in terms of sending a product or service. Yeah. I love that, and, and even the fact that you—I uh, I often talk a lot on my podcast and. Um, I've done talks as well, keynote talks about failure. Like, uh, it's interesting you say about your dad owning a barbershop. So what brought me to Brighton originally, I used to own a hair salon. Oh, wow. um, I was part of Tony and Guy group. We'd done barbering stuff. Never a hairdresser. It's purely a business thing for me, but um, it didn't work out. So I, I, I talk about how that I had to close, I had to sell one of my properties and it was a really tough time. But the things you learn from that, what, mm. just even just listening to that early stage from you, going done a couple of things didn't work out but you learn from little bits and pieces mm. on, on on the way which is which i find fascinating but um talk, talk to me a little bit so look, look 18 years old most most kids are, are most i'm generalizing a little bit but you know generally about partying maybe and, mm. and getting in but for, and 
but for you, you launched a fashion brand. Yeah. So talk, talk, what's the inspiration behind like, yeah. that from that, that, those little bits of things, oh, I can actually make some money from Yeah, of course. So yeah, like, I want to get into that and we'll keep on touching what you mentioned about failure as well, because yeah. it's really important for me for the audience in that failing forwards and failing fast. And then um, I actually read a book called, um, called Shoe Dog, you know, I'm an avid book reader. And Shoe Dog was written by the owner of Nike, Phil Knight about his journey and one thing he said yeah he started quite early on the, the apple the night journey and he said that um one lesson he took from it was failing fast and failing forward and what that means is that maybe me starting my journey young it meant i could fail fast so me taking a failure in my adventure at 13 14 15 because it, it, i still got a lot of life left to live to actually you know rectify those failures and i think that the reason why you need to start whatever you're doing early is because it gives you kind of the opportunity to fail fast as that means that you still got time to kind of you know rectify those failures i think with my life that's why i was so early i've had a lot of failures but i've been able to fail fast by starting young so i can rectify it so i'm really interesting but and i, I do want to touch on something actually you mentioned which I've, i find quite interesting about like you talk about education because obviously you went on to university and you, you mm. studied you got a degree talk, talk about sort of in regard that entrepreneurship is it's encouraged a lot more like i'm obviously a lot older than you and i, mm. I think i'll go back to when i was at school and, and entrepreneurship just wasn't a thing back then really it was but and it is encouraged a little bit more in school but still we're not teaching people about mm. entrepreneurship like business in in that way about entrepreneurship is mm. not encouraged in that way do, 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 you, do you agree with that do you, what, what's your yeah like i 100% agree but i feel like you know entrepreneurs are the outliers of society mm. in the sense that we can't all be entrepreneurs you know people yeah, have got to sure. take the jobs kind of thing so i understand from like a um social society's point of view of like you can't kind of you know make everybody be entrepreneurs couldn't really work out but in saying that i think that there's a lot of entrepreneurs that can go into a work environment and their entrepreneurship can help themselves i think you can still work with somebody and be like an entrepreneur yeah. because entrepreneurship preaches things like taking risks which i think you can do within the job you know being creative marketing bring ideas to the forefront i think that you don't need to own a business to be able to have that mindset and i think maybe educating people on entrepreneurship rather than being scared that you'll do that and they'll run away you have no more people to take jobs maybe they might still take the jobs but bring those entrepreneurial traits to that job which might help you elevate the next level more independent thinkers i think yeah. what we need in society nowadays is more independent thinkers and independent thinking you know i love reading so i read a book called lynchpins and i spoke about the history of kind of like the school system yeah. i spoke about the reason why the school system itself how it is in terms of we all have to dress the same all do the same exams it's very like robotic yeah. that's because um during the industrial revolution you needed robots because you don't want anybody to be out of line in their job yeah. because if you you know they're making things for the industrial revolution it's very systemized so if you have somebody that now is a bit against the grain and goes against the kind of process it could be a disaster but the issue is now we don't live in those times anymore now we need a lot more you know we've got all sorts of issues you know the government climate change yeah. all these things we need independent thinkers now and our education system cultivates people that can't think for themselves people that you know dress like everybody else do this do that told what to do and i think that one thing that we need to do if you want to make real change and impact in the world is encourage independent thought a lot more especially nowadays where jobs are getting like becoming robots nowadays like mm -hmm. you know speakers maybe back in the day they thought you might be someone holding the mic towards us now yeah. all this now even um self-checkout things like this like yeah. so we need people that cut, maybe can take jobs that are more quite more independent thought because the jobs that require just manual labor are getting taken up by robots yeah, I, love, I love that way of thinking like, i think I, I completely agree with you like it's an archaic way like it's interesting you say about that book like, like for, for, for me the education system is so archaic in the way that we teach the way we you know um we test people with mm -hmm. exams and that that type of process um 
people don't necessarily always respond to that that well. I wasn't mm. that academic at school, you know, and you sort of look at, but you more creative in that sense. Like you said, being more independent thinkers and encouraging. I love that thought of just encouraging more, not necessarily entrepreneur, but independent thinkers. And because if we, but that, that, for me, that system's got to change. Mm. The education system's got to change at the top, isn't it, to, to filter that and to make that make that happen, I guess. Exactly. 100%. I think that, you know, there are benefits to the education system. system. There are some yeah. benefits, but actually me, I'm dyslexic. I didn't, I didn't get diagnosed until I got to university. So I went through my whole childhood doing normal conditions on exams, even though there were certain signs that could be picked up, but they didn't, you know, identify that. And I think that even things like that, whereas because you put everyone in the same bucket, so even me being neurodiverse, I had to do the same exam as somebody that was, you know, different kind of yeah. different brain. So yeah, it's the way it's set up, like the one size fits all model never works. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got a degree, I've got a degree in genetics. And one thing I learned in, in school, in uni was that, I think this, I don't know, don't quote me on this one, but I think the stat is that 20% um, of the medication only suits a certain group of the, I mean, I think the medicine we use for like paracetamol and like that yeah. only helps about 20% of people. So there's a, there's a percentage of people who, who's, who the medication doesn't do anything for because you can't give somebody one paracetamol and another person expect their body to react to it the same way and the one size fits all model just never works and i think our education system is literally the one size fits all you've got to do the same exam on the same time conditions mm -hmm. and logically speaking it doesn't make sense because we're all different talk to me about that because i find it fascinating because you, you, you we're delving into obviously the, the entrepreneurial stuff in you know in um to stand out and uh, yeah. fashion brands you launched but you you still chose the path of it like we're talking about education you yeah. still chose that path of education what and why genetics and why yeah why, why so um i think that um i think growing up um maybe because of school whatever even though i had entrepreneurial tendencies i never saw it as actually an option as a viable option i, I think there's a part of me where and, and as any young person understands and i think people are, love to ask this question but at 18 years old yeah no one knows what they want to do with their lives and even at 40 50 no one knows what they want to do so i think there's a lot of pressure nowadays on the young generation to know what you want to do but it's it's unfair you give people different time to taste different avenues yeah. as you've seen i think with me i just thought you know there was a next best step i wanted to experience going to university um obviously there was peer pressure from my parents as well who said that there was this option and also like what else i'm gonna do like i had a brand that was very early doors i was 18 years old so I didn't really have any other options. It was just like the, what I was told to do. And I wasn't against it because I knew that it would help me get a job, you know, give me a safety net, but also give me experience to live with myself. So I was excited for it. And probably the science route, because I think linked to my, my background in dyslexia, I'm not the best at writing English. So I used to um, dread essays and the writing. Like if you put me in the law school, I probably would have killed myself because I couldn't <laughs> just deal with like all the reading. And then maths, I wasn't the best at it. I tried to do A-level maths. I think... I did it for a term, half a term, and I had to drop out because I was so bad at maths. Mm -hmm. I even moved school to do maths because the school that I was in there let me do maths there because I didn't get the grades, so I had to move school to do maths, and I was still bad at it. And by my, I was so bad at it that my combined percentage was less than 10%. So usually 10% percentage is a better way to look at things. Yeah. And you get like 50%, but it's like 50 out of 25. My score was so bad that even the percentage couldn't save how bad the score was. And so I just wasn't good at maths, but I think because science didn't evolve, any kind of grammar like that it was more like logical thinking and like understanding even now like i read a lot of books now and kind of i've already in this podcast said something i learned from the books so i'm good at learning understanding things i think yeah. science they don't care about your spelling too much your writing they just care that you actually understand the content yeah. i think science allowed me to kind of was the one thing I, I excelled at because i could just excel at understanding the content and also just just what i was best at to be honest yeah i love that that's, that's really interesting. but you 
So talk, talk to me a little bit about, about Born to Stand Out. Like, yeah. So what, what, what inspired you like, to 18? I'm just going gonna, gonna to launch a... I'm going to launch my impression. Um, I think it's probably the most, one of the most important skills I think anyone can have is curiosity. I think from a very, very young age, I've always just been curious. I've always been adventurous. Even, you know, selling my products when I was year seven, year 10, I was just very curious. I thought, maybe I can sell this and make money. Or, and I thought, and I had a friend who sold a fashion brand in the year above me. Um, I remember, you know, I was on Instagram and he had like this clothing of his own, like, I've never seen it before, it was, like Roman numerals. And I asked him, what is that? And he goes, oh, um, fashion brand. I was like, what? You've got a fashion brand? I was like, how can I do it? He goes, oh, you've got to do this and do that and do that. I was like, okay, cool. It sounds a bit long. Let me leave it. But I think that thought stood the back of my mind for a long time. I was like, that's so cool. He has got a fashion brand. And then um, I got to year 13 now. I just said, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And even to this day, like, the way I think my life, I just do it. I don't really think um, failing fast, as, as I mentioned earlier. Like, um, you know, I saw my YouTube channel last month, last week. I decided I was going to start a YouTube channel a week before. I think a lot of people, they even want to start channel for like a year, but I was like, wait for the next step, let's just do it. And I'm saying, I think I always had my attitude of like, let's just, let's do it, like see what happens. I've always been looking for an adventure. And I think that's the word right now that I really, I really love is adventure. I think even now I'm always looking for adventures. And I think at that age, I thought it would be a good adventure. And then I just, you know, I said, let me start it, see how it goes. I thought, you know, I thought if I can sell, if I can buy at the time 15 t-shirts sell it for 20 pound, it cost me seven pounds to make it. That's hundred fifty pound profit. And I, as at thirteen years old, I'm thinking, yeah, like that's amazing, hundred fifty pounds. So uh, asking to buy me school lunch for the rest of the month. <laughs> so um, yeah, I just went from it, and then I think me my talent showed, and just went from strength to strength. Another couple of things I take out from what you're saying. One, that how curious you are, which is is such a brilliant skill to have. I think to be because and ultimately as well being so open-minded to to for opportunities there's opportunities out there and going actually i'm going to try that and like you said if it doesn't work out i'll fail fast mm -hmm. i'll learn from it and i'll go and do the next thing but I, I'm, i've always been a believer I, I believe life's an opportunity so for me i've you know tried many things failed and but i'll, I'll constantly I'm a bit of a yes man. So people mm. say to me, do you want to do that? I go, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So I'd rather do that and try it and go, oh, it's not worked out or whatever. But to have that experience, for me, that's a, such an important thing. That's the beauty of it. You never know where it might go. That's the beauty of it. I think there was one book that I love and was called How to Be Rich. It was written by the richest man in the world in 1960. And he, and he spoke about business and he said that, you know, to build a good business, you need this, you need this, and this, and this. And this. You can have all those things and it might not go to plan. However, that's what gives it life. That's what gives it zest. Use the word, that's what gives it zest. And I think not knowing whether it will work out or not is what makes it fun. I think the fact that we can do something, I think if you knew it, what we're going to do is going to work out, you would do it, but it wouldn't be as fun and adventurous. I think the beauty is, is in knowing that I might win, I might lose. That's what, that's what makes it fun. I think that's what it's all about. And, and then it's because a lot of people, I've had people on the podcast who have, you know, they've sold businesses. I spoke to Kevin Byrne, who sold Checker Trade for 100 million. Wow. Uh, more money than you ever know what to do. Mm. But you, you listen to that man talk about that business and how much he, he sold it for and yet the passion he had for the business when he was running it the journey that he was mm. on that's where his happiness lied when he got that money it was just almost an anti-climax exactly you go you're chasing something or you feel like you're chasing something and, and I, I always use it in a lot of talks i say about life it's actually it's it's a journey not a destination yeah. like such an such an important thing and i try and but it's hard to sometimes get in that mindset when you're in that journey and things are not going well maybe it's mm. hard to keep that that positivity and of that course effort, and trying to 
trying to enjoy the journey as much as you, you should, I guess. Hundred percent. I think you know something I always preach that full of the journey, full of the process, because I think we could all relate to a time where we really want something we got it and for the same and that could be as simple as a christmas present you really want that you got it now yeah. and you know and there's probably things in our life that were you know a player that once was a couple of years ago and you know money like it's just it's kind of i feel like these man-made things like you know they kind of they don't have the real value and the real deep meaning behind it and i think that's really why when you get a certain amount of money it's kind of anti-climax because like, i got it now but i'm sort of the same person kind of thing i think university is the biggest one in terms of a lot of people you know all have five degrees but we're kind of like we got the degree you work for your four years for it and you kind of want to feel like something but you just like euphoria, yeah but at the same time you just feel like it was just in the day it's just like degree kind of what's next now and because of the fact no matter what you do um you always gonna get that feeling that's what the journey matters and the fun's in the journey not the destination i think you look at football i'm a big football fan if you look at people going to the final the fun is actually guessing the final winning the knockout stages yeah. and they win the trophy and it feels good but it's like the fun was actually you know fine with your teammates just to get to the final and one 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 thing that I think changed my life recently, which I read, which I looked at, was a guy called Jordan Peterson. He's a you know best in all for twelve worlds alive. He said something very very profound. I used to always think that happiness is the north star, but he said something about um um be as good as you can and pray for happiness. They asked him. They asked him. So why do you do what you do? This is Jordan Peterson, you know, amazing person, traveled over the world, um, helps people, no bestseller. It's like why do you keep doing what you do? And he goes to see what happens. That's, that's the reason was to see what happens because he to have an adventure and i think that that's why i used to think you know i should aim for happiness but i think with happiness is i don't think you should aim for that because there's many reasons but one of the reasons he does give is because sometimes to be the best person you can be unhappiness might come of that as you mentioned you know that person went on a journey and it was tough times with it so on your journey to be happy it can be unhappy times and um i think that the reason why you can't aim for happiness is because that you want in life any balance of well, the reason why we have good days is because we had bad days we appreciate the good days because the bad days i think in life the balance and if you're always happy you can't live like that i think you know on a night out when we're always drunk we're probably the happiest we've ever been but we made some terrible decisions and he and he speaks about how like as a psychologist he's seen people that are chronically happy and their life just tumbles down and i used to think happiness is the main start but he says aim to be good he says that you know doing what he's doing He's 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 an example, and I use my own example of like he says that when he goes around the world, people walk up to him. He changed their lives. He's saying I was suicidal, I was homicidal, I was all this. And reading your books and your content, it changed my life. He says, yeah, that doesn't make him happy. Although it's good to help them, but he sees people, humans, at their worst point. He sees people that are triumph, which is incredible. But he still says that at one point this person was suicidal, and he starts crying because he's seen people at their worst point. But him kind of striving to be what he is has allowed him to kind of have that impact so even though it makes him happy to see all these people walk up to him and see them at their initial despair it doesn't make him happy but he's doing the right thing in terms of helping them through it and i think that you know sometimes when you aim to be the best person you can be there might be moments in your life where you might be unhappy but you're doing the right thing kind of improving lives and i think even with me as i grow um there's things that you know i'll be honest like you know i'm very transparent i try to be transparent as i kind of achieve more success i feel insecurity in terms of i feel like i make other people feel insecure so as i kind of get more successful i feel like when i talk to people i make them feel bad and i, I feel like it might be wrong but i feel like that's the thing i get but it doesn't mean i have to stop pursuing what i'm pursuing because i know i'm helping so many people but that feels never going to go away i feel like i can either be happy and to stop just so i don't make people insecure or i can keep striving for greatness and even though that might come of it all the bad might come of it i might not maybe happy but at least i'm doing what's most important and i think that when you just aim for happiness you might not always it doesn't happiness doesn't equate to doing the best thing possible and i think you know even as a doctor you save so many lives but maybe 
as a doctor, you might see people pass away. You might see people at their worst state. That might not make you happy. But being a doctor and help people is the most important thing. And I think aim for to be as good as you can be, aim to make impact. And if happiness falls upon you, you should be grateful for it. And, you know, that's where I see it. Mate, they're very wise words. And I, I, I completely agree. And I, I, it's, it's really interesting you said because we're, we're almost taught that we've got to strive for this happiness for happiness mm. like that's what society almost says oh, you've, you've got to be happy so you've got to strive for that and you've got to strive it's like an emotion that you've got to try and get to mm. whereas uh, i guess ultimately it's, it's actually accepting different emotions accepting exactly that. I exactly i am going to feel sad some days and i am going to feel emotional some days and i am going to be angry or but actually they're all different emotions for different parts of the day exactly going on in, in, in your life and i think it's it's really interesting because i rather than striving for happiness i guess the ultimate thing that I'm, i guess we're all sort of searching for is contentment exactly yeah and i think wh whatever emotion i'm feeling at that time as long as i feel fulfilled in that mm. journey that day that's where that's where the true exactly true happiness may be or whatever yeah, or exactly. true fulfillment li lies i guess that's what for me it's like you mentioned like um, all those emotions are important they're there for a reason yeah. one thing i learned at a young age is most are called to action when you feel some emotion it means like you might need to do something you know if you fancy a girl and you feel you know like you miss her i'm just telling you to go and talk to her i think that all emotions can be good emotions and they all got their place are there for a reason i think that if you just strive to be happy all the time that's not what life's about i'm saying and i think and I, and I feel like when you learn that you know you can be sad some days happy some days it makes you understand it makes you kind of doing to do regardless i think that that just changed my life in terms of i just feel like i need to be happy but in the day i think being as best you can be for yourself and for your family is probably more important than being happy because happiness is fleeting but as you mentioned contentment for fulfillment is what what matters most and an, an, an adventure love that love that mate to talk to you look we're sitting here talking you graduated earlier this year yeah um but during studying so you you've you, you obviously had reading with Austin as well yeah um and then you've also launched a networking community yeah 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 which i've followed and i've seen you've got put on some amazing yeah events it's crazy um <laughs> studying through that how do you find the time to then put your brand reading with us and yeah how do you juggle all them things i think on a bigger level the things that you love you make that you make time for and you know i think i love what i do i think when you enjoy what you do it's easy to make time for it kind of thing so that's the bigger level but in terms of the nitty-gritty which is important you know i've read books like the four-hour work week so it happens highly affect the people and doing things like planning your weeks weekly so a lot of people plan daily but <clears throat> i think if you look at the quadrant of time you've got important urgent important non-urgent um not important not important urgent not urgent or important and i feel like that kind of book kind of outlined the process so a lot of people focus on important and urgent which means you're always putting out fires because it's important but it's urgent so you're putting out fires whereas what i focus on is the important non-urgent so that they never become urgent so if you focus on important before it comes urgent <clears throat> you'll never be putting out fires you kind of stop the fire altogether and i'm saying it's like you know if you let a fly into your room you can leave the door open and try and kill the flies when they come to the room or you can close the door and prevent the flies from in the first place and i think in my life it's all about one doing an important task before they become urgent so i don't have to worry about putting out fires all the time and two i think massively is outsourcing you know with gen z club you've got people that kind of do things for us work for us and i think outsourcing the massive part of my life where i don't need to I, I, one quote that i love is do what you do best and delegate the rest and i feel like i've mastered delegating the tasks that i might not be great or might not have time for in an effective way so it's a mixture of planning your weeks efficiently it's a mixture of delegating when it when needs to be and enjoying what you do as well and just hard work as well sometimes. Yeah. Mate, I'm sitting here, what, 
guess 20 odd years older than you <laughs> talking to me and, and stuff that I, I, I struggle with in honesty like I've, I've, I've spin a lot of plates I've run various different businesses and all of stuff that I enjoy doing actually but I've got a young family as well and I'm trying to trying to balance them things is tough sometimes and it's listening to you and I've read the four hour work week as well it's a great great yeah. I follow him as well and he's fascinating but yes yeah, it's, it's it's fascinating to listen to you talk about it I'm, I'm interested to um talk a little bit more about it because obviously we've got a community as well county business clubs and we've built now but i've seen gen z club and what you've yeah. achieved that is phenomenal thank you um and what, what's the plans for that moving forward so um yeah it's crazy because it came about as just an adventure as i mentioned like all my business have actually come about by an adventure i never intended to be an entrepreneur until my business started to reach some success so it came out as an adventure and really started on clubhouse with my friend denzel jones and pokey banks you might have heard of pokey banks he's quite friendly father followers on tiktok he's quite yeah. quite famous but um yeah, so we, you know, essentially to give back on what Gen Z Club is, um, we are basically a growth platform for Gen Z to kind of grow with nurture into future leaders and entrepreneurs. We provide monthly network events. We've probably had about 1,600 people come to our events over the past year since starting, and we only started last year. We were nominated for national award, um, the Business Business Excellence Awards, which wow. is next month. Hopefully, we win it. And um, Amazing. yeah, we've been to all of the UK. We've been to um, Birmingham, Loughborough. Um, Brighton, this this very building here, yeah, yeah. We sell out events in all these places. Our largest event was in July. We had about 260 Gen Zs come to our event. Um, people travel from Scotland, Germany, Plymouth. It was incredible. And um, yeah. So it was a question again. <laughs> it's just um, no. I was just that was it. I was fascinated to hear more, a little bit more about it and what you obviously yeah. You were doing. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. I mentioned future plans, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's just about expansion. I think you know, in our first year, we've reached a lot of people, but I think you no know, Gen Zs we want to help reach more people and obviously we want to help um now we understand that from a business point of view a lot of companies want to target gen z's so now we're looking we're working with businesses to help them target gen z's in our community so um we're looking to do in a new year now kind of partner with companies and kind of because right now we do charge ticket prices for our events because yeah. it help cover things but um we want to kind of make the events more free or cheaper yeah. so we can get more people in them so maybe yeah. like the 200 300 400 500 people and then make money through the business kind of partnerships that we make as well so our plan is to expand in terms of um the actual people in the events and the impact yeah. we can create we should have a chat about yeah. it on, 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 another, on another day. Definitely, definitely, that's, definitely. Uh, that's really interesting and, and brilliant. Oh, but I want to I move on as we come up. We, we mentioned about, obviously, both of us was, mentioned about spinning plates and uh, as I'm you know, constantly feeling there's that way of being productive, you do the things that you love doing and blah, blah, blah. But um, what's your thoughts around, I'm keen to find out about your thoughts around sort of hustle culture yeah. and narrative around hustle culture and that maybe the narrative that portrays really yeah sometimes like people like you know just work and work and work and working i think you kind of need to understand like what life's about there's one book i love or highly recommend it's called um the way of the superior man written by an author called david dida he speaks about how life isn't about isn't uh, isn't about tasks constant tasks you need to actually live your life as well and i think that if you are in the hustle i think there's one there's one poem for our work with it said um <clears throat> the beautiful poem and it says along the lines of um listen to the music before the song's over listen to the music before the song's over and i think that we can get so caught up in our day-to-day -day lives and hustling 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 and as you mentioned earlier what we're hustling for when we get there it's kind of anticlimactic so i think it comes down to enjoying the process of it and listen to the music like li listen to like enjoying the process enjoying <clears throat> this podcast i think you know i meditate a lot i try and be present and for like a society we aren't present enough and before you know it will be you know older 
and we might we, we, the, the moments we should cherish we don't cherish them so I, I urge people that when you are hustling it's important to you but also cherish the hustle and enjoy the moments enjoy the moments enjoy the sweet moments and um listen to the music before song, before song's over and i think that hustle culture just kind of got the rep now of all in life that matters is hustling but one it's not affected to hustle 24 7. i know you're 24 hours a day in sleep but generally speaking you can't yeah, live yeah, like yeah. that <laughs> no, i wouldn't do this every day yeah <laughs> so i think you know what allows you to be more productive is by taking time away um seven have entirely affected people speaks about sharpen the saw so it's about if you had an axe and you're trying to hit a tree with that axe the axe will eventually get blunt rather than hitting the tree with a blunt axe you're better off going away sharpening the axe and coming come back again so many people are trying to attack life with a blunt axe and you know attacking life with glass half what's left in the glass rather than what's best no attacking life with what's left of you rather than what's best for you mm-hmm. i think that people into hustle culture should be seen one as an important thing but also equal as a lifestyle balance equal we need to encourage rest culture i mean to encourage present culture and appreciation culture and gratitude culture i think there's a lot of words that we should um appreciate as well and since you say do you, you meditate do you yeah regularly? every day yeah really? that changed my life yeah really? how long have you been since 2019 honestly like I, I went for a period i think as a young ceo um with a lot of anxiety you know like i was very stressed out i wanted things to work out in my favor i might steal my friends <laughs> so i'm busy at a very young age i suppose a lot of anxiety and which comes from you know one of the things to work out in your favor which you all do but i shouldn't get to the point where it kind of you know keeps up at night and i was like 19 years old i had a lot of anxiety for some reason and I started, um, I thought I couldn't sleep. I said that, you know, I was going to bed on time, but I was just in my bed lying there. I feel like a lot of people might be able to relate to this. I was lying there in bed and I couldn't, I just couldn't like sleep. And I was thinking, I'm waking up tired. I need to do something about this. So, you know, I think I started meditating and it helped me sleep. And as I kind of read books now, so I read um, Principles, written by Ray Dalio, who's like a billionaire. He, he owns something called Bridgewater or something. I think it's the largest hedge fund in the world or something like that. And um, he speaks about how he does meditation. Spoke about with books by David Dider. I thought, you know, let me check it out. So during lockdown, I used to meditate quite often. I kind of saw the way I really looked at life change. And my anxiety went away. Because I think there's a saying that if you live in the past or the past, if you live in the future, you're, um, you've got anxiety. If you live in the present, you're at peace. And I think that you're only really at peace when you live in the present. And if you look at any kind of situations now and anxieties, they all come from us thinking about something that hasn't even happened yet. I think that when I started meditating and giving my brain time to refresh itself and like, and give my body time to restart and just sitting there and just doing nothing, just being present and appreciating the present. I've taken that kind of same meditation into other areas of my life where like, I can go about my day and what meditation does is separates you from your thoughts. So <clears throat> when you do meditate, your brain doesn't shut off. You're still thinking, but you can watch your thoughts as opposed to, you know, being affected by them. Yeah, yeah. And I feel a lot of people are controlled by their thoughts, but in the day, thoughts are like clouds. It's like clouds, they, they come and they go. You get good ones, bad ones, just thoughts in the day. Yeah, yeah. They're not you, your thoughts aren't you. Yeah. I think that meditation has taught me to separate myself from my thoughts. So if I get a negative thought now, I can just watch it and not kind of be one with it and i think that that's a really important skill that i recommend everyone kind of masters attach yourself in your thoughts because your thoughts aren't real your thoughts just you know just thoughts and what you might think might not come to fruition so um i think meditation is important for me even in terms of football um, i play some professional football i just get so nervous when before a match but now i was being able to meditate and be present now i'm not thinking about what might happen what might go wrong i'm just thinking about that very moment and you've got any athlete the one james mentions it the reason why they're so good because they're present in that very moment that's when you can be the most effective in that moment i think it's important to practice presence and gratitude i completely agree I listened to, to, to one of the podcasts I listened to a lot of the high performance podcast and mm. there was um, Johnny Wilkinson talk, you talk about athletes Johnny Wilkinson talked about exactly that like how like, you know he, he went through the 
point of you know kicking the winning goal in the Rugby World Cup and that high that lasts for 30 seconds and then he hit a real mm. low because that's all he'd strive for all his life and he'd hit that high and he's hit a real low after that because he's never going to get to that point potentially again so you go it, what he said he talks exactly about that about presence but he's just actually enjoying that moment so he, he, he now you listen to he has loads of stuff about mental health but he talks about being present and in in the way that kicking that rug, that goal in the rugby world cup he gets the same joy and satisfaction as he does he did from doing the washing up because whatever he's doing at exactly. that moment in time he's present in that but that like again i always this becomes like therapy for me to be honest that's, that's why i do the podcast but it's it worked out so i, I often struggle I, I don't do i don't meditate and i've but I, I often struggle to switch off because you're spinning mm. the plates. Your brain's always working, and I struggle. To, That's why you need to meditate. I, exactly <laughs> why I need to meditate. Yeah. I, I've looked into, and I've, many people who come on have, have exactly that recommended that to try and switch that brain off and, and be able to be. Because, like I said, I've got a young family, and you want to be. I want to be a good father. I want to be mm. a good husband, as well as a good, great businessman. And you want to do all of those things. And but ultimately, the key is to whatever you're doing at that moment like we are right now sitting in being present right in this very moment and actually appreciating that time and it's i think that gets lost a lot yeah it could be again back to that hustle culture and that you know being busy and be, it's almost like we wear being busy as a badge of honor yeah <clears> and also trying to come away from that. busy doesn't mean productive as well yeah I absolutely yeah, yeah. Mate, i completely agree with you yeah yeah be a busy fool yeah exactly you could, be, you could be going nowhere fast yeah, yeah. Look, mate it's bit, we're coming towards it before we do the, the quick fire questions tell me what, what does the future hold for, for us uh more adventures, more adventures. <laughs> yeah i don't like i know people have got five-year goals and i've got my own goals that i read every single morning which are important but i like to kind of put myself in kind of i want to do this i like to be detached from i never know where my life might take me you know the gen z club is one one of the biggest blessings of my life but two years ago if you asked me if I start have a networking community of a thousand Gen Zs, I wouldn't have thought so. And I wouldn't have wanted that. But obviously now I have it and I'm grateful for it. So I'd like to put myself in boxes. I had to make sure I'm always progressing one percent every single day, keep accumulating in all areas of my life. But I think the main thing is just more adventures because that's what life's about. Absolutely love it. Well look, we're gonna finish with our quick fire questions as we have on every episode so far. So tell me one piece of advice would you give to a young entrepreneur starting out? Oh, one piece of advice is a lot. <laughs> Entrepreneurship is hard. <laughs> um, um, practice patience and gratitude. I think that if you look at any success story, um, anything, really wasn't built in a day, but can't be destroyed in a day either. And I think that you really need to practice patience in your business. I think if you look at any successful business owner, um, cause I've got a lot of people around me that I've got good business, but they don't realize they started from the age of 16, 15, and it takes time. And I feel like with our generation, especially with social media, people feel like they want it fast. But I'd say um, practice patience. I'd say, you know, do it, commit to it, and give yourself a time limit for how it can work out. It's too many people are quick to jump ship, whereas no matter what you do, you need to give it time to nurture it. Like a seed, if you plant a seed, um, no matter how much you water it, no matter how much food and nutrients you give it, the seed needs time to grow. Like you can't make a tree grow in 10 days. No matter how much water you put in that seeds, it can't grow in 10 days. I think when you do start out, understand that it's gonna take a very, very, very long time. But as long as you're seeing constant results, keep going. Who's been your biggest inspiration throughout your life and why? Um, I say my dad's. Yeah, I think Gary Vee's up there as well. Um, you know, I think he gives me he's given me this perspective I have in my life. You know, in terms of you know 
trying to be happy and looking at the deals of life that a lot of people don't speak about like patience gratitude look at the perspective but i think growing up under my dad and seeing how he kind of operated you know he came from nothing um he grew up in nigeria in a very small village and he built a great life himself just literally by working hard i think that when you've got a man who's like a real life story in your life i think and obviously i think he gives me a lot of tough love and good love and i think you know just how, how other people speak about him it's just great to see so i say that my dad's big inspiration in my life just because of um man he is mate you, you uh, you've sort of answered this anyway you um as you've t- told us about lots of books and stuff but is there a book podcast that you can recommend to our listeners it's so hard because other than the few that- <laughs> yeah it's so difficult whenever somebody asks my favorite books they always i always think i don't have kids but i said if i did have kids it would not name my favorite child because it's so difficult there's so many good ones but um if i can name the quick fire ones i would say my favorite top of my head are the power of habit I think that one changed my life in terms of it basically tells you how to make a habit, how to break a habit. So like that was the first time I read a book like, which actually taught me so much. I said, wow, like I didn't learn this in school. There's so much I don't know. And he said, the more you know, the more you realize how stupid you are because you know so much. You, there's so many things that you don't know kind of thing. So I said, the power of habit. Um, I would say, um, so my habits highly affect the people. I think that book just touched on so many avenues of life. And I think, I honestly think if there's one book you could, you should read, and you only could read one book, that'll be that book. Because it touched, I think what the book speaks about can be applied in so many areas of our life. So I think that book is so powerful. Like, it's really, really powerful. Whoever wrote it, I don't know who wrote it, but like, they were blessed. Like, it was a really, like, yeah, so, so habits highly fit the people, power, power of habit. And um, I think those are the main two I'll say have had a big impact. Amazing. But last one. Finally, what is your one rule for living a fulfilled life? Um, my main rule is be consistent or don't do it all. And I think that's so important. I think you can't build anything with consistency. Like it's impossible. Like consistency, like my friend spoke about, it's like um it's kinda of like, like its own frequency. And no matter what you do, you won't get anywhere if you're not consistent. And I feel like whatever, whatever I do do, until I get the point where I can be consistent with it, I won't start it. Like I won't start a new channel, then not post for a year. I'll start when I'm ready to post consistently. And even that's like once a month, once a week, but you need to build that kind of momentum, be consistent, otherwise we won't get anywhere. You look at all the biggest companies in the world, all your favorite TV shows, they're all consistent. EastEnders has been consistent for how many years? So people look to inspire to be like certain people, but the very people that they consume are consistent, but they don't want to be consistent. It's like if EastEnders can be consistent, but you can't be, how are you ever going to get to that level? So in my life, my biggest thing is be consistent, do it consistently, or don't do it all. Mate, listen, what an absolutely fascinating conversation. I, I, like I said, I've, I've followed you for a while on, on, on social media and I love the content that you put out and the message that actually from from your generation, from Gen Z, and, and putting that message out. Because I, I, I do think that there was there is a bad narrative out there around, like say, around hustle culture and that. But listening to you talk and the... the you know what you what you chat about is is really really profound and and a, and a really strong uh, important message not just for that generation but I'm listening to you and and learning from you which is amazing so mate really grateful for you coming on thanks it was a brilliant episode and I, I'd love to catch up with you another time and we're 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 bouncing some ideas around together 100 <laughs> percent thank you so much and that is a wrap awesome amazing.